All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves, inching ever so closely to 500. Very exciting. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for the support. We're here on a Friday. Big night last night, Tim. Lots of answered questions. Lots of heartwarming moments. Lots to talk about. But how are you, more importantly? Before we get into all that, how is Tim doing today? Oh, I'm good. No one wants to hear about me. New York City was good, but... You're absolutely right. So let's just... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I was going to say, I want to talk about hockey, so let's get into it. All right. Well, there was a lot that happened last night. Obviously, it was a, every team in the East Coast played their 82nd game, except for two irrelevant teams, the Buffalo Sabres, and I want to say the Columbus Blue Jackets. Two teams out of the playoffs. All the teams that mattered played their 82nd game, so a lot of questions were answered. There was a couple teams up in the air where they were going to finish. Not so much making the playoffs, but more so seeding. Is Carolina going to be first place in the Metropolitan? They answered that question. Where are the Islanders in Florida going to finish up? Those questions were answered. All the seedings are set. Everything is good to go in the East. We have some unanswered questions in the West, but let's just jump into some not seeding stuff, but more heartwarming stuff. Jonathan Taves, friend of the show played his last game for the Chicago Blackhawks last night. Very nice moment. Scores a goal. They lose to the Philadelphia Flyers. All that was just separate from what was the real meaning of this game. It was a nice send-off for arguably one of the best captains to ever put on the Chicago Blackhawks jersey. I don't want to say players because he didn't put up a ton of points, but one of the best, if not the best captain, to throw on that jersey. What did you think? Did you see the send-off? Did you see the moment? Did you see all the great stuff that happened last night for Jonathan Taves? I didn't see all of it. I did see the goal that he scored, which is pretty pretty special. And especially, like, it was a greasy goal, nice tip in front of the net. Um, yeah, what do you mean really greasy? Nice. That wasn't greasy. Well, was it wasn't nice, flashy. Nice it wasn't play. flashy. It wasn't flashy. Yeah. You know, and, okay. um, yeah, it was good. It was good. I mean, it's kind of how you want to go out. You know, you, you dream about your last game when you know it's going to be your last game, when you're in control. And then you score in that special moment. It's not something that a lot of players get to do. So for him, it must have been pretty special. Yeah, gets the power play goal tip in from Athanasiu. Nice, nice moment. Has a nice moment at the end of the game. Um, apparently, he bought hundreds of tickets for local kids to come to the game. Just a class act guy. Like, c- complete class act. It, it will be different to see him in a 
another uniform next year if he decides to extend his career, which I think all signs point to that. There was no inkling of a retirement, even during this whole thing. Everything was last game in Chicago, last game in Chicago. Thank you for your time in Chicago, not in the NHL. So I firmly believe he will play next year, but it it had a different tinge to me than Patrick Kane's last game. I don't know if it was just because of trade deadline or Kane or he had a big impact on Chicago scored the Stanley cup winner in overtime, obviously had all the same accolades as Jonathan Taves, but for some reason, Johnny made a different impact on Chicago than Kaner did. I don't know why he's just that guy, but it, it was very, even for me separated from the team for more than 10 years. I was like, man, this feels it's pulling at the heartstrings a little bit to see him, you know, waving goodbye and this and that. And his family was there. They zoomed in on his dad. He was almost in tears. It was just a really touching moment. But yeah, good for Johnny, good for Chicago. They did him right by letting him play his last game, gave him a bunch of ice time, he gets the goal, and it begs a question. If this is his last game, Tim, Hall of Fame, yay, nay. He's played just over 1,000 games, 1,067, 372 goals, 511 assists, 883 points, 15 years with one team, captain, I believe, for 13 of those years. He's got three cups. He won a con Smythe multiple Olympic gold champion. What do you think? Is that a hall of fame resume? If he calls a quick today? I think it is. Yeah. I think is the cups. Um, not, I mean, a lot of points, like I, I know he's not Patrick Kane level of offensive talent, but a lot of points considering that his main job was playing that two way role. He did a lot of shutdown minutes, a lot of uh, defensive zone starts, all that stuff for his entire career and still put up a lot of points and some big goals and some big games. Plus the cups, plus the gold medals. I'd say, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. What do you think? <laughs> it, it, my heart wants to say yes, it really does, and he does have the team awards. That's you know what I mean. He he's got that going for him: the Stanley Cups, the Olympic gold medals. But if if you just took his name away from the pitcher. And you just threw him in with the other guys who are waiting to get into the Hall of Fame. It doesn't. It's not a great statistical only resume, but then you add in the intangibles, the stuff that you can't see on paper, his leadership skills, the fact that he was the youngest captain in Chicago Blackhawks history, the fact that he just was a born leader, even on a team that was winning an Olympic gold. The guy was the guy in the locker room. And yeah, he is a Hall of Famer. But if you take it all away, Tim, and you're just looking at 883 points, it's like there's guys who aren't in the Hall of Fame yet that have well over that points who may never get the call. I'm like Jeremy Roenick. He's got 1,200 points. Will he make it into the Hall of Fame? I don't know. And there's there's other guys like that who have more points aren't in the Hall, who have Stanley Cups to their name. So I think he does get in. I think he does just because of his name and what he's what he's done outside of the points. And I think you touched on it. He did pride himself in playing, you know, a, a full 300 foot game and that that that's what will get him in. But, you know, I, I hate being that naysayer because he's one of my friends. But you got to you know, you got to kind of look at both sides of the coin. But I do think he gets in just because it's Jonathan Taves, his reputation and what he meant to Chicago Blackhawks. But but can't you see him maybe waiting a year before he gets voted in, or is he first ballot? 
Um, yeah, it, I don't know. It depends on the class too and who he's up against, but he's probably not necessarily a lock-in first ballot guy, but I think he ultimately does get in. Okay, agreed. Another guy who played his last game, assuming Johnny played his last game, which I don't think he did, but another guy who did officially play his last game last night, unless they start him, which which all signs point to no, just based on last night. Craig Anderson, a 41-year-old goaltender, played his last game for the Buffalo Sabres last night, pretty appropriately versus the Ottawa Senators, a team where he made his name, played fantastic for them for years and years and years on a bad Ottawa team. He dragged them to winning seasons when they had no business winning games. One in overtime, Casey Middlestead gets the overtime winner. Pretty cool moment. His family was there, just like Johnny Taves, gets the big W. Big kind of ceremony after the game. The teams are getting pictured. Ottawa Senators, a lot of them played with Craig Anderson. Come over, give him hugs. So it, it was a, it was a very big love fest at Buffalo last night. It was neat. It was good for him. What did you think of that? I did see this. This is pretty cool to be like, have your kids there. I mean, you had a, a similar moment. The whole arena is chanting your name. You got your wife and kids and just that's that's the stuff that players dream of. And again, talking about control, what I mean by that is like playing it's your last game, knowing it's your last game where the fans know, you know, you can prepare mentally for it. There's your teammates know, the coaches know there's all these little moments that must have happened throughout the night with the with the the staff, with the um the trainers, all that. I'm sure they all got their little handshakes and stuff. So really cool. Uh we could all we, we all wish we could, you know, have a 20,000 people chanting our name and saying how much they love us. It's pretty special for them. I'm not just happened to me a few times. It's very nice <laughs> when it does happen, but I'm just saying it's, it's happened to me, but yeah, good for him. I love Craig Anderson. I I've spoken highly of him throughout this, this podcast for years. I think he's one of the most underrated goaltenders to ever put the pads on. It's sad to see him go. He had a good year. He resurrected his career the last few seasons with the Buffalo Sabres. He's been playing really well of late. So good for him. Begs the question, Tim. Hall of Fame or not for Craig Anderson. His knock is he doesn't have the wins at all. Doesn't have the team success. He's he was on some pretty, pretty bad teams. He had a couple, you know, bright spots with Ottawa when they had, you know, Neil and Alfredson and um Yashin and some really good players there. But as a whole, he was on bad teams in Ottawa. 709 games played, only 318 wins. So that's the part that's gonna knock him. His individual stats, 9-12 save percentage, 286 goals against average on those bad teams is really, really good. Doesn't get in based on those, Tim? No, he's not a Hall of Famer. Although I will say those numbers were much better than I thought they were. Like when I saw when I saw that, I'm like, wow, he really did. He was a good goalie for a long time. And it's funny too because the, the knock on Carey Price has always been the lack of Cubs and playoff success. But I saw a stat too that Carey Price only played with one 80 point player in his entire career and it was his rookie year and it was Kovalev and since then no one has even touched a point per game and you talk about like the avalanche this year I think had like a 300 point player so something close to it so it's crazy how much you know it, it skews your perception of a fan of, of a goaltender's success based on the wins and losses when so much of that is out of their control what you can control is how many pucks you let in the net and Craig Anderson did a really good job of that so I, I do think he was underrated like you said but no he's not a hall of famer I agree. I agree. Not a Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. All right. Moving on to current events stuff, playoff impacting stuff. The Colorado Avalanche. Shocking news just came down the pipeline. Their captain, Gabe Landeskog, has been officially ruled out. Not for the first round. Not for the second round. For the whole playoffs. He is done. 
he will not play this calendar year, 2023, in the NHL playoffs. Massive, massive blow if they have any chance of repeating. Can we just stick a fork in this team now, Tim? Can you confidently say that they are not your pick, even though they've been your pick the whole season? They have not not been the Dallas Stars, the Edmonton Oilers. You've been just dancing around the issue. You've been right on the Colorado Avalanche. I have an updated statement to to share that I prepared. But first of all, (laughs) um, yeah, bad news. I I saw that last night and I kind of gasped. I was like, because the whole thing, the whole year was he'll be back before the end of the season. He'll be back for the playoffs. He's a suit. He's their captain. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he's a super important part of their team. And so, no, the, the Avalanche are still contenders. Of course they are. They're so good, but this is, this is a major blow and it probably takes them out of that top echelon of teams. Um, and so thinking about our conversation yesterday, I was wishy-washy. I'm going to go back and s- stick with the team in the West that I've been saying all season long, the Dallas Stars. That's my team. When we fill out brackets. I think that's who I'm going to, that's who I'm going to have winning. Um, as hot as Edmonton has been, Dallas is my team and Colorado, I think is, is definitely a notch below with the Atlanta Scog injury. Interesting. And don't forget, Kale McCarr isn't feeling too good either. He's been injured. He's been out of the lineup. How How is Kale McCarr going to be? You know, so this, this is a big knock for the Colorado Avalanche. And I'm not going to tell everyone my picks just yet, but I'll give you a little hint. It's not the Avalanche. Even if Landeskog was healthy and he's starting game one, it wouldn't have been them. It's You're not that guy, Colorado, this year. <laughs> You're not that guy. Moving on. Some cool moments last night. Aside from the Jonathan Taves stuff, aside from the Craig Anderson stuff, something that caught my eye. Luke Hughes, brother of Jack, brother of Quinn. What a what genes they have in that family. Like I'm t- that's a it's a pretty strong gene pool coming out of the Hughes family. I'd love to get a look at the mom and the dad to see what they look like. They must be just athletes. You think you'd think. They're not tubs of lard. You think they have some athletic ability. But anyways, all that aside, Luke Hughes gets his first NHL goal in pretty dramatic fashion. Overtime, dangles Ovechkin, toe drags some random defenseman, picks up his rebound, wraps it around. Pretty slick goal for a guy playing in his second NHL game. Neat moment. His brother gets the assist. It's a garbage assist. He gave it to him in the D zone. It was a coast-to-coast, main to Maui, Bobby Orr-style goal. Very excited for Luke Hughes. I'm telling you what, Tim. This New Jersey Devils team gets Luke Hughes, picks up Timo Meyer. All of a sudden, we have no weaknesses on this team. This is, this is top to bottom a dangerous team. You already had Dougie Hamilton. You got friend of the show, Ryan Graves. You got some other good... Solid defenseman, Brendan Smith, Damon Severson, very serviceable guys. You got solid depth up front. Eric Hall is your third line center. You know, I love that. They picked up Curtis Lazar, who gets traded every deadline, it seems like. He's your fourth line center. I I really don't see a weakness on this team. You can't poke a hole anywhere. Maybe. Maybe goaltender. But not even there. I think they have a solid team. Are they the team to beat now that they've added Luke Hughes to the back end, Tim? They're not the team to beat, but they are a very exciting team. And, and you know, I, I'd like to maybe spend some time in the offseason going back and how they did this so quickly. Because I have it in front of me now. They were 28th out of 32 last year. How do they go from that so quickly? I understand Timo Meyer, but it was more than that. It was more than that. It was players that 
you know, took major steps in, in their development. You got Jack Hughes breaking out, which he finished with 99 points, by the way. 99. Very close. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Hold they on did a second. Quickly. Didn't you say they were going to get a he was going to get a hundred? I did. I that was my that was my bold prediction. No, he didn't do it. I stuck up. Yeah, okay. we'll call that a win. You're we'll wrong. call that. You're we'll wrong. call that a win. Um, you know yeah. what's funny? Sorry to cut you off. My bold prediction of last year: three Edmonton Oilers players being top three in the league in points almost happened this year. If the Nuge would have gotten eight more points, they would have went one, two, three in points. So I was, I'm, I was just a year too early. I saw Pretty a stat. Right, going morning. back to going back to Hughes. I saw a stat this morning that 25 different teams had a 100-point player this year. It's crazy. That's cool. That is crazy. Did Arizona have one? I'm sure. <laughs> no. And the Devils didn't because uh, he was at only 99. Um, yeah, but no, they're not the team to beat. But they are probably, I mean, I, you know, I've said I think they beat the Rangers in the first round. They're probably two or three in the East. I, I, still, I still think Boston's better. All right. Very good. Another Another moment that I thought of after watching Luke Hughes coming right from Michigan into the NHL, making an immediate impact, stepping into that lineup. He will be a big part of this playoff team. It got me thinking, what other college players are going to come out and make a huge impact for a playoff team? And there's a few of them. There's Matthew Nyes playing for Toronto. He slides right into their second line, playing along with Ryan O'Reilly. That's a big time minutes. This kid's going to munch up and you got Brock Faber for the Minnesota wild Playing first-line D minutes right now, he'll slide down to the second or third pairing once playoffs begin, I believe. But those three guys coming right out of college, stepping into prime-time roles for Stanley Cup contending teams. If Toronto doesn't win the Cup, it's a disappointing season. If New Jersey doesn't have a deep run, I would say it's a disappointing season based on what they did at the deadline going after Timo Meyer. If Minnesota doesn't win a round, it's a disappointment. So I just think it's neat. Not too long ago, there was never a guy coming out of college after the season to make an impact ever. This is becoming a common theme year after year after year. Guys wrap up their season and then they're playing in the NHL the next day. Like literally the next day they're flying to a city and they're making immediate impacts in the playoffs, Tim. This isn't like a regular season, preseason, get your feet wet. Everything's fine. If you make a mistake, not a big deal. It's life or death. If you make a mistake, you could cost your team a whole series. So it's kind of cool, the development of the NCAA ranks. Everybody know I went to Michigan Tech, the Huskies. They've had guys sign going pro, not the NHL level, AHL East Coast, still making media impacts. It's not at the NHL level, but it's just cool to see just how far the NCAA has come and how big of impacts these guys are making immediately for these teams. Like Luke Hughes scored an OT winner for a very consequential game for the New Jersey Devils last night. Like that wasn't a throwaway game. They needed to win that game if they had any hopes. Obviously, they didn't get there because Carolina won of overtaking the Carolina Hurricanes. But they didn't know that at the time. They needed to win that game. And they got Luke Hughes playing three and three in overtime. It's kind of cool. Well, how about the coach making the decision to put him out there in the first place? That's what I saw when I saw that his goal was overtime. I was like, wow, that's a lot of trust. And it was a meaningful game, like you said. And I think, you know, the the knock on the NHL has been the, it's harder for young rookies to make an impact right away for years as opposed to like the NBA, the NFL. Those guys are first overall pick. They're changing the franchise the day they step onto the field. This is the gap between the NCAA and the NHL is getting closer while the NCAA, while the NHL is also getting faster. So it's improving, but college is improving probably even quicker to, to bridge that gap. It's pretty cool. Although he played 21 minutes. Wow. 
21. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What a family. What were you going to say? Uh, Bobby Ryan tweeted out the other day. He was watching some college game. He's t- talking about how bad college hockey is. I don't know why or what his uh, what his knock on it was, but he said the talent wasn't great. Bobby, what do you mean the talent isn't great? That that's that's a bold statement considering the last few number one overall picks have come from college. And, and this year, if it wasn't for Connor Bedard, the number one overall pick would be Adam Fantilli. Fan- Fantilli. Fantilli. So it's a bold statement, Cotton. We'll see how it pans out. All right, moving on. Staying with the East, the matchups are set. You've already given gave away your pick in the West. I don't know why you did that. You buried the lead. The East Coast matchups are set. Boston, Florida, Carolina, Islanders, Devils, Rangers, Toronto, obviously Tampa Bay. Which matchup excites you the most, Tim, out of these four matchups? And you can't say Boston just because you're a stupid Bruins fan. Which matchup do you just look at and you go, love it? What is it? It's the Devils and Rangers. It has to be. Those two teams are going to be so close, so evenly matched. You got the... the it. You still have home in a way, obviously, but the, the arenas are so close. Will, will they stay in hotels, John, for those matchups? Will they drive home? No, they'll they'll sleep at home. Well, yeah, so, yeah, they'll probably sleep in their own beds. Yeah, so that's a factor too. So you don't you don't have like the travel that you see. I think that one is going to be the one because Rangers, by any standard, really aren't an underdog, even though they're technically below them in the standings and they're a few points back. They're as good as any team in the NHL when they want to be. So I think that's the one that I, I would bit, probably pay the most attention to. You just brought that to my attention. What an advantage it is to be in the East Coast, just for strictly travel reasons. Because even a Boston-Florida flight is not that bad. It's a couple hours you jump on the plane, you're sleeping in your own bed. You don't have to spend the night and waste a day of practice, waste a day of rehab. It's such an advantage to be in the East Coast, just for playoff reasons. I, I hearken back, the last time the Rangers played the Devils was in 2012 when I was on the Rangers. It's so nice to be able to jump in the car the day of the game and drive to the game like it's a home game. And then you drive home that night and sleep in your own bed. You're playing, theoretically, seven home games if it goes to game seven. Just because you're not traveling, you're not flying, you're not eating in random hotels, you're doing your normal schedule. And that's so nice. It's good for the coaches, good for the players. But then you look out west, Vegas is the number one seed. They have to fly to Winnipeg. That's not an easy flight. That's a four-hour flight. You got to go through customs. You got to deal with all that jazz, and you got to do it on the way back. It's so incredibly annoying. If it goes to game five, you got to do it twice. That stinks. You look at the Rangers or the Devils, if they win this game, who do they play the next round? Oh, they might have to play the New York Islanders. You don't have to even leave your house for three weeks of playoffs. Then if they win that round, who do they play next? The Boston Bruins. That's a train ride. You don't jump on a plane. The whole Eastern Conference playoff rounds, that's insane to me. But it's perfectly attainable if you're a team from New York. You get the Rangers, you get the Islanders, and you play Boston. It's crazy how much of an advantage that is. So the East is harder. Teams are better. Travel's way, way easier. But going back to my original question. I'm sorry, I get on those tangents. You just got me thinking of that. It's really an advantage. Because when I when I was with the Rangers, we did it. We played the Devils first round, and then the Ottawa sucked. But then when we were playing Washington, we would take the train. So we didn't even have to drive. It was a beautiful thing. And uh, we would just get loaded on the train. 
me and the guys who weren't playing because you would have your own car. We just play cards, bottle of wine, beers. It was so great. Everybody else was getting prepped for the game. We were in the, oh, it was so fun. Oh, I miss it. I miss it. So I love a good train ride. I love a good train ride when you're just down in beers and playing cards. Oh, it's so great. The matchup I'm most looking forward to is Toronto Tampa Bay. How can you not look forward to that matchup? It's just can David slay Goliath? Can they get the monkey off their back, the gorilla, the massive King Kong that is just hovering over their shoulder due to the last three years of futility, four or five years? Is this the year that Toronto can slay that dragon? I don't know how many other analogies I can come up with, but they all apply here. The table is set. They have home ice advantage. They're healthy as a horse. Everybody's playing great. Is this the year Toronto beats Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay's limping into the playoffs. They have injuries. They haven't been playing well. They're coming off three straight Stanley Cup finals appearances, so they might be a little slow. Can they do it? I don't know. I really haven't. I haven't. I don't know yet. It'll be exciting. That That's my pick. But if there is one potential upset, Tim, the top four seeds are Bruins, Carolina. Well, who's who's after that? It goes Bruins, Carolina, New Jersey, and Toronto. Those are the top four seeds. Which one of those teams is prime for an upset? I mean, I have a hard time calling like the Rangers an upset or Tampa an upset, where it's, it feels just like it's a it's just a numbers thing. They're not actually a, an underdog, but. If it's if we're talking about those teams, I think probably the Rangers over the Devils could be an upset just because I think the Rangers could be really good. Obviously, Tampa. I, I mean, I haven't. I want to spend the weekend before we maybe do our picks on Monday, our brackets and everything, um, to analyze the matchups and everything. But Tampa is, could easily go back and win this thing. Like it's it's not that different from the teams that have won the Cup. So it's hard to say. I don't think the Islanders. I don't give them much shot over Carolina. I will say that. What do you think? Okay. To know, well, we won't do our picks yet. I just wanted to know how you felt. I think the biggest upset could, I think, Florida could knock up Boston. I could, I could totally see that. I think they have the team. I think they're a little salty over last year. It could be a, a massive upset. So we'll see. Also, first time in twenty plus years, all three teams in the borough of New York have made it. Everybody forgets Buffalo is in New York, but pretty neat. All three teams are in action. It's good for hockey. They get a big fan base over there. Moving west. One answer to be finished in the West. There's one more game. Colorado versus Nashville tonight. If Colorado wins, they take the top spot in the Central. If they lose, that goes to Dallas. So there's a lot of playoff seedings that are still up in the air. There's two matchups that are locked in. I mentioned Vegas versus Winnipeg. That's the first matchup. Edmonton versus LA is the second matchup. What do you think? Exciting matchups. We'll just stick on the two that are there. Do they even move the needle compared to the ones in the East? Or are you just not interested in Vegas, Winnipeg? For me, I, I could care less. Honestly, I won't watch one of those games if there's another game on. If that's it, if they're, they're the only show, I'll watch it. I am more interested in the games out East and Edmonton, LA. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I'm not interested in that series either. I do like Edmonton, LA. I think that'll be a good one because those teams have played each other a lot this year. They played each other last year. It's going to be a tight series, and they're such different teams, but they match up together so well. So that'll be one I think is, and obviously Connor McDavid. You got to watch the the show. So I think that'll be good. Yeah, I think Edmonton. 
I, I like Edmonton's chance. They, they've handled LA lately, but whoa, I don't want to get into the picks just yet. We'll wait until it's set. And like Tim said, Monday, we'll, everybody wants to know our picks. Vegas listens. It, we, we're needle movers. That's what we are. We it's move true. that damn needle. It's true. So we're not going to let the cat out of the bag just yet. So tune in on Monday and you'll know. Let's move on to some some news. You know, some quick hits. Kyle Dubas, Brandon Shanahan, both have matching contracts, and they're both up this year. Everybody forgets GMs have contracts. There's a term on that contract. They have not re-upped. I don't know if that's because of them not wanting to resign or Toronto not wanting to commit to Kyle Dubas for a long-term deal based on past history. All that aside, Pittsburgh Penguins, rumors are swirling. They're kicking the can on Kyle Dubas. If the Leafs don't make a long run, could you see him moving on to Pittsburgh next year, trying to resurrect that that team after being not making the playoffs for the first time in 16 years, Tim? Getting, a, getting rid of Ronnie Hextall, who's just hated in Pittsburgh these days. It's an interesting point because we spent so much time in the last couple of years talking about Dubas, whether he keeps his job, whether they bring him back. But we haven't talked about whether he wants to stay there. And I'm sure he's spoken publicly about wanting to stay there, want to build something, want to work toward winning a cup, bringing it to Toronto, et cetera, et cetera. But things change. And if he if he has seen the writing on the wall, if he's just as frustrated by the outcome as anyone else, including the fans, maybe he wants to move on, too. He's going to get job offers. I mean, he's, he's a good GM. He's got a good track record of addressing needs, getting pretty good contracts. Like, I know he hasn't won anything yet, but that's on the players. That's not on him. So I could see other other teams calling suit. I didn't see the Penguins rumor, but I'm not surprised by it. And that would be a pretty fun project, I think. So, yeah, I think that's the one something to watch this summer. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's more of, does he want to go back to Toronto? And the answer is why... I get it. And this is what Mike Babcock kind of felt when he went to Toronto. He could have stayed in a sweet situation in Detroit where he was beloved and and he could do no wrong. But he wanted that. It was like when the Red Sox won the World Series. You know, that first team that won the World Series, they can do no wrong in Boston now. Terry Francona, Johnny Damon, those guys can walk around. They're royalty in Boston. They are. It was like when the Cubs won the World Series in Chicago. Getting rid of that drought. Those guys can do no wrong in Chicago. For the next coach GM players to win a Stanley Cup in Toronto, you'll be immortalized in Toronto. That's what drew Mike Babcock there. That's the only reason I I think Kyle Dubas would stay. He's built something. He wants to see it through. But on the other hand, if, if I'm him, I get criticized weekly. I'm always on the hot seat. Whenever my team struggles, I'm just getting bombarded with questions. Why did you do this? Why did you not do that? Look at your goaltenders. What's going on? Every decision is analyzed to the nth degree. Why not go to a team like Pittsburgh? You can milk a couple more years with Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang. They had very good years, all three of them. Try to surround them with some more talent to maximize that. Why not? You're going to get your money wherever you go. You're going to make some do-re-mi. Me. You've already made a ton. The pressure in Pittsburgh is not even 5% of what it is Toronto. And you get to be around Hall of Fame, world-class talent. Not that you already are, Matthews and Nylander and Marner, but it's at a different level when you're talking about Crosby and Malkin. They've been there, done that. They've won those cups. So it wouldn't surprise me if he went. It really wouldn't. So it depends on just what he wants. Does he want that legacy in Toronto? Or does he want a new challenge in Pittsburgh? I don't know. 
what what will it take for Toronto? What kind of level of success do they have to have in the playoffs to not call it a complete failure? To not say, okay, it's just the same old team that can't win anything. Do they have to win multiple series? Do they have to win the cup? Do they have to get out of the first round to show progress? Like, what is what what gets the monkey off the back? I think you got to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Two rounds. You got to win two rounds. It, it, it's not sufficient to win one. They're expected to win this round. Last year, Tampa was the favorite. This year, Toronto is the overwhelming favorite. Tampa's coming in injured. They didn't have a great season. They're a full almost 20 points behind Toronto. So they, they're expected to win the first round. It's the second round matchup where it gets a little hairy. Do they play Boston? Do they play Carolina? They need to win that second round. So we'll see. But gosh, if they lose in this first round, it, it's a firing squad. Everybody must go. You're like It has to change because this will just be, what, the sixth consecutive year that they lose in the first round to, to an inferior team in Tampa Bay. I know they have the history. I know they have the... You know, they've won two cups, been to three Stanley Cups in a row, but they, they have to win. They have to have to win. So, I don't know. Moving on. Calgary, still in the news. Elliot Friedman just reported Daryl Sutter will most likely be back next year, which is insane to me. And the reason for that, he has an $8 million option next year. And you better be damn sure the Saskatchewan farm boy is going to pick up an $8 million option to get that Do-Re-Mi in his bank. He ain't. Bo- he was born in a day, but not yesterday. $8 million is a lot of grain for his cows, baby. And he's going to pick up that option, whether Calgary likes it or not. And I don't know of an owner who's just going to fire a coach who's due $8 million. So expect him back in Calgary. Complete shock to me. I didn't realize he had that option. I thought he was done. Good for Calgary, Tim, that he's coming back another year? I mean, no. <laughs> How could it be? But... <laughs> What else do you do? I'd I, I like to see, like, there's been a lot of little drama moments in press conferences when players are asked about the situation where you could read into it or not. And we try not to read into things that aren't there, but usually where there's smoke, there's fire. And a lot of players, it seems like, reading the tea leaves, aren't happy with Sutter, especially the newer guys, like a Kadri. And how how happy could a guy who had 60 fewer points than last year in Huberdeau be with his coach and his situation like even if you respect and acknowledge his his success do you want him back i don't know probably not but again well no you don't yeah you don't there there's no sutter's a perfect coach for dustin brown you know that's his player he's a perfect coach for an anzi kopitar who you know is is a responsible two-way forward he's not a huberdo coach He's not a cadre coach. Those guys want a coach like who lets them go and play. Just go and play the game. Be creative on on the offensive end, but be you know be responsible on the back end. Sutter is a drill sergeant. You be here, or else you're not going to play. Good luck, Calgary. You'll be back. Better change your mindset coming into camp next year, Jonathan Huberto. Who knows? He could he could go from you know being the in the doghouse, setting NHL records. Next year he could put up 120 and set that record again. On the positive side, we'll see how it all shakes out. I don't think it will happen, but uh, that sucks. If I'm a if I'm a Calgary player, I'm just like, man, really again. Moving on, the Bedard sweepstakes are over. We now have a concrete answer of who has the best odds to get Connor Bedard in the NHL draft, which will take place May eighth, less than a month from now. Last night. 
the Columbus Blue Jackets had the highest odds to get this phenom, this game changer, this generational talent. What do they do? They go out and beat the Pittsburgh Penguins for some some odd reason. No one knows why, but they do. They go out and just shellack them. So now they have the second worst record in the NHL. Who slides into that pole position? Oh, the Anaheim Ducks. Not the Mighty Ducks. The Anaheim Ducks. They now have the highest odds to get Connor Bedard. I think it's something like 12.575% or something like that. Columbus has like a 10% chance. It's the amount of balls they put in the hopper. But Anaheim has the most balls now in that hopper. If they get Connor Bedard, that team will be good. They have a lot of good young players, high-end players. Zegras, Terry, McTavish, Drysdale, high-end, high-end young players. They're 22, 25, 20, 21. They also have a group of second-tier players that no one really talks about that I think are the difference makers. They're all young, they're all good, and they're all going to be on this team for a long time, potentially. Maxime Comtois, Isaac Lundstrom, we know him. Max Jones, all these guys are good, serviceable forwards who are good second, third-line guys. They have a couple college defensemen who just came out. If one of them hits, that'll be a big deal for their back end. Drew Hellison and Jackson Lacombe, they're both 22. I'm telling you, Tim, you add Connor Bedard into this, This team has a ton of money to spend next year on the salary cap. They have the second lowest salary going into next year. They have a good GM who doesn't mortgage the future in Pat Verbeek. He's smart. He's not going to go out and go Willy Wonka, just buying everything up and go crazy. I think this could be a good spot for Connor Bedard if he does end up there. What do you think? If, If he goes to Anaheim, is it good? Of course it is. I mean, that's 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 probably where I'd want to go if I was him too. But I want to go back to Columbus for a second. What are you doing winning that game? What are you, you what are you doing winning that game? I know this isn't the same thing, but like in high school, we had some like mid-season tournament, and there was only one game for whatever reason that actually counted in the standings. The rest were just like just uh, what do you call them? Just just playing games. And and for that one game that counted, we needed to lose it to help our chances. It was some weird math thing, but he called up basically the whole JV team. And like, it was like a couple of guys and then a lot of JV players. Cause you want to lose that game. Like why not bring up HL players? Why not? What are you doing winning that game? Especially with, with, with Connor Bedard, you know? So I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I get the players, you know, you play the game in front of you and you try to win every game you can, but what shouldn't you, <laughs> what do you I don't know. Yeah. It's a head scratcher. I don't get well, it. Well, Anaheim went on a, Anaheim went on a tear. For the Connor Bernard sweepstakes, they they didn't get a win in the last ten games. They tore it up. They knew what they were doing, and they achieved Good. their objective. They, they nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. You got teams on the other side of the coin. Chicago Blackhawks beat beating the Calgary Flames for some odd reason. They could have been in the sweepstakes too. They would have been the worst team in the league if they don't beat the the Calgary Flames and they lose in overtime last night. Three points is all it took. They only finished one point ahead of the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Ducks, excuse me, not Mighty. Anaheim Ducks. But boy, oh boy, good for the Ducks. It was a good year to lose. Very Connor Bedard is going to be so fun next year. It's going to be incredible. All right, moving on. A couple, couple more kind of just individual stats that, that really just kind of uh, shocked me a little bit. Braden Point hits his 50th and 51st goals last night. The guys are 50... Can you believe that? That Braden Point has 50 goals, Tim? No. I almost want to pull up the stats and fact check you. I'm like, there's no way that's true, but it's no one was talking about that. 
That's crazy. No one at all. When you think of Tampa Bay, you think of Stamkos, you think of Kucherov, you think of points, but not as a goal scorer. It's amazing that this guy at the end of the season has 51 stinking goals, Tim, 95 points. He is the trigger guy on this team. Brendan Hagel's got 30. <sighs> I'm he's like got rethinking. He has more goals than Tage Thompson for all the attention and energy that he's gotten from the media. And he's got more goals than him. Now, obviously, Tage slowed down a lot in the second half and point picked it up. But I would have thought Tage Thompson was a top three, four goal scorer. And he's down to six and Braden Point passed him. Like, that's crazy. He was in the he was in the um, the Richard race for most of the season. And no one talked about Braden Point. You still Nobody about, did. You still think about Kucherov, like you said. It's, you think it's Kucherov's team. So you look at the stats, you're like, you know what? I don't know. Well, Kucherov did the lead, the t- lead the team in points by 20. So he he did get his cookies. He got 83 assists. He had a fantastic season. Didn't miss a game, which is an important kind of earmark for him. But just brain point. Good season. Another stat that caught me off guard. 40-goal score from the Anaheim, for the LA Kings. Excuse me. Kempe, Adrian Kempe, gets his 40th goal last night. I did not. I knew he was a good goal scorer. 40 is a lot, Tim. That that's a lot of goals for him to put up. I like that. Good for him. Good for the LA Kings. This this LA Kings team. Quentin Byfield starting to play a little better. Their future is bright. I like it. I think they're going to be very dangerous this year in the playoffs. So you'll get my pick Monday. Stop trying to prod me for my pick. Me just, those two stats. Those two stats. Just it was really something. But anyways, that's all. Anything else, Tim? Uh, no, no. Two more games tonight. They're meaningless. Like you said, well, not potentially. You could They're see not a, meaningless. A, you could see a little change in the, in the, in the West, right? Um, a little, this is a big time game. If I'm the Colorado avalanche, I need to win this game. It's the difference between playing the Minnesota wild first round or playing the Seattle Kraken. It's a huge game, huge game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. You don't I, even, I, it's a huge game. Okay. Who would you rather play? A Minnesota Wild team that has rattled off a ton of wins in their last 10. They've been one of the hottest teams in hockey. And they play a physical brand. They have thugs who can go out there and bash you through the boards. Or a Seattle Kraken team who is playing their first ever playoff game, might be in over their head, might be overwhelmed, and they don't play a physical game at all. They have a bunch of water bugs who fly around the ice and like the tic-tac, tic-tac, this and that. I'm taking the Seattle Kraken. But it's a, it's a meaningless game. The joke. Are you kidding me? The joke. I'm sorry, everybody. You had to listen to this. It's like when your parents fight. Sorry. You can get that out of your system. You want to apologize? You want to apologize? Do you want to apologize? Nothing to apologize for. Sorry for hurting your feelings. <laughs> no, it'll be good to see who wins that one. And then I'm going to spend most of the weekend, like you said, thinking about the, rack, the brackets, the first round matchups and the... Uh, uh, the upsets and all that. So that'll be fun. Do you remember how badly I beat you last year? No, you had four. four out of, you had five. I had four. Like it was not the whole playoffs, Tim. The whole shebang. I absolutely uh, shellacked you. It's a chance at redemption. Okay. I encourage it. All right, everybody. I encourage you to listen to us on Monday so you can hear these super sexy picks. Tim's going to go have some fun in New York City tonight. I'm very excited to hear his report back on Monday. And I want to know more about this wedding. When is this wedding? Is not till next month. The wedding? No, the wedding is Sunday. 
Um, it's this weekend. It's this weekend. So oh, we I fly here. back tomorrow and I'm basically, yeah, the wedding is Sunday. I'm not seeing her tomorrow. So that's it. Maybe you cleaned your car out. No, I'll do that. I got to get a haircut. I got a, I got a busy day tomorrow. I got a lot of things done. I have to get a gift. I haven't gotten that yet. The whole thing is, uh, where are you going to leave your night. dog? Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's just like a afternoon wedding. He'll be fine at home for a few hours. It's not, it's at one o'clock in the afternoon. So, but it's like an hour drive. Yeah. But he's an older dog. He's okay for like six hours if I leave him. So, oh man, what if you get murdered and this chick's just a psycho? That's a good point. Would you, would you keep doing the show? Who would I do the show with on Monday? That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Who could I get? How will this impact me? I'd probably have to go to the funeral. That'd be annoying. <laughs> All the way to Boston. Uh... <laughs> oh boy, that's funny. All right, everybody. Tim, have a good weekend. Have fun at the wedding. We'll talk to you on Monday. Everybody else, have a good Monday, uh, weekend. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 